The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, Valerie Varan, is a licensed professional counselor in private practice, and she's the author of the book, Living in a Quantum Reality, Using Quantum Physics and Psychology to Embrace Your Higher Consciousness. The book is written from her experience as a psychotherapist, specializing in helping those who have shifted into states of higher consciousness, whether from uh, near death or spiritually transformative experiences or by other means. It is a self-help book that introduces in its first chapter the physics behind how the supposedly impossible is indeed possible. Valerie, welcome to NDE Radio. Thanks, Lee. Loving you being here. Oh, well, I'm, I, I, uh, I'm so glad having, uh, looked at your, uh, your lecture notes. Um, I'm so glad to have you here. You, uh, Valerie was kind enough to send me a copy of her presentation at the recent IONS conference in Denver. And uh, frankly, I was blown away by your talk and the bridges you built between quantum physics and the reality of NDEs. Um, um, did you? How did you get interested in the subject? You know, from a young age, I've always experienced more of the spiritual reality. And um, what really got me into the physics was uh, one day in the sixth grade, we had just learned about atoms, and so there I was that night, and I was contemplating my homework, and, you know, in those days, they pictured atoms as these little whirling balls in space, and I just remember thinking, well, what makes that atom part of the chair, and what makes that atom right next to it kind of know it's part of my butt on that chair, mm. and then all of a sudden, I had this spiritual download, I call them, you know, I'm sure many of these listeners have had the same, but where all of a sudden you just get downloaded all of this information about, you know, life and consciousness and um, and how all is alive and conscious, and, and um, it just really helped me understand what I had already experienced as a child, but it also helped me understand that science, and then later on I would know the field of physics was going to be maybe where my answers lie, because, right, so many of us that have these experiences, we want answers, and so we Mm. go on these searches. Right. You know, a few shows back, I interviewed Raymond Moody, who um, postulates we need to invent a new language for talking about near-death experiences, a language that encompasses what the rational mind would call contradictory. He calls it nonsense. But um, in your talk, you quote uh, W.A. Tiller as saying about the same thing. And to to uh, read that back to you, Tiller, you wrote that Tiller writes, as we evolve to higher and higher states of consciousness, it will be necessary for us to invent new words uh, that contain room for ambiguity like fuzzy logic or metaphors because we have little experience with the new territory and the listener is likely to be at a different level in the consciousness um, bond than uh, consciousness band than ourselves. And I was wondering, do you think that uh, math and the language of quantum physics can fill that role? I do. And I think the reason that I quote William Tiller and I love William Tiller. I started um, 
first seeing him at the ICEAM conferences, the International Society for the Study of Subtle Energy and Energy Medicine. And, you know, he's from Stanford. He's a, a material scientist, for goodness sake. I mean, you know, bred to know materials, and yet here he is taking us into the quantum and um, he became a very experienced meditator and even started looking at how we can put intentions into random event generators and all kinds of really cool things. So I love that William Tiller, as this physicist, is really giving us permission to be a little fuzzy with these things, right? Because so often those of us who aren't physicists could be you know, criticized for trying to even enter the quantum world and even trying to grab some of this language and we're sometimes we're accused of being irresponsible with it but you know tiller said you know we have to we absolutely mm. have to I, I i agree um now also in your talk you listed several mystical experiences and i'm going to read the list back and then i'm going to ask you a question examples sure. of mystical experiences include uh near-death experience out-of-body experience a spiritually transformative experience Unitive peak experience that delivers a sense of oneness and beingness. Uh, psychic opening, non-local, multi-dimensional experiences such as precognition, clairvoyance, seeing ghosts. Uh, Kundalini awakening, synchronicities, visions of past or other dimensional life, and realms of energy. And my question is, do all these experiences usually involve light? Oh, great question. Um, I could say yes and no, because when we really go down this quantum rabbit hole, you're going to really see where I come from in that, you know, you start having this appreciation for all is light and um, light that is such this beautiful array of frequencies and bandwidths and not only that, we learn that light is holographic, and the cool thing about hologram in this quantum language is that within every part lies the information for the whole, and I love that because, and here's where it links to the list that you just gave, that means that each one of us have access to the whole, and so some of us maybe enter you know, it's almost like we do go through certain little wormholes in consciousness and some of us all of a sudden find ourselves in realms of light and energies and geometries of color and what have you. But, you know, sometimes it's it's just entering the part where we might literally see, you know, I see dead people kind of thing, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so everyone is is almost having this very unique experience of this beautiful hologram of light. And I think what's fascinating even about this unique experience piece, I think we have to appreciate that everybody's experience is unique. I think it's helpful for us when we talk and we can find out that we have similarities. Um, but I think we have to appreciate how unique every individual's experience really is. Uh, every experience, whether in this reality or some of those um peak experiences, you know, from the mystical experiences list that you just read. Uh, and I think it has to do with that nature of the hologram and, and nature of the energy. Like in physics, they tell us that each of us has a very unique 
um, kaleidoscope of energy that then that, that guides as a template, that guides our physical body construction. And so it's like, wait a minute. All right, let's back up here. Physics is saying we all have these unique kaleidoscopes of energy. And then they're saying that those are the energies that guide our experience and even the construction of our physical body. And so doesn't that make sense that we're all going to experience all reality uniquely, but that even when we start having these mystical experiences, those are going to be unique, but they're going to be tapping into this amazing wholeness in our unique way. Mm. I hope that answered the question and didn't get too far away. <laughs> well, it, it, it kind of um, confirms my belief that near-death experiences are personally designed and unique to every individual, even though there are elements, including the light, which almost everyone reports. I've always liked the analogy of, of light as sometimes a particle, sometimes a wave, as being akin to us in the physical world and then us in the spiritual world, particle being the physical and the wave being the spiritual. And you're saying this is this is more than a metaphor, that this is actually true. I am. I love that, that you're saying that and your mind goes there. That's exactly where my mind went when I, you know, was really reading how these quantum physicists have have determined that scientifically. And I, I really feel like that of all things, if we picked one thing, that pretty much confirms for us that, yes, we do have this nature of our body and we have this nature of the soul in these higher dimension, you know, these higher dimensional realms of consciousness. And it is akin to the, to the particle wave duality. And then that's a simplified way of saying it because then we find out that it's really holographic and it's so multidimensional, but we really can sum it up as particle and wave, body and mm. soul. The um, the God particle that uh, they decided they've discovered in uh, in uh, CERN, mm -hmm. which I always thought should be called the man particle because apparently it makes possible physical matter as opposed to just wave, just the spirit. Um but that would also be, I guess, uh, an element of light as well. I guess, I guess what I'm asking here is what is light? You, 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 um, you said in your uh, talk, light moves not only energy, but information too through space. This movement folds, uh, unfolds and enfolds like music from an accordion. I love, I love that. Tell the, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and right before um, that particular slide, I think there was a quote from an astrophysicist that talked to, that gave a simplified um, definition of light, and he said, you know, light moves energy through space. And then, of course, mine was a little bit more elaborate because I have come to see that light moves um, energy, but it moves information. And the information is key because um, that's where we start having these unique experiences, right? It's the information that creates the uniqueness, if you will. So, um, but it's interesting because, you know, it, it does seem like it moves like an accordion because there you have light that is very multidimensional uh, with these unique qualities depending on, you know, where it is in the light spectrum. 
And it does seem that, uh, you know, as it comes into physical reality, there's this breathing out, right, which mystics have talked about. And then there's Mm. this breathing in. uh, And David Bohm, the physicist, had talked about, you know, there's this beautiful uh, implicate order uh, that's embedded within the explicate order. And, you know, he talked about how this implicate order with this, he didn't call it information at the time, he called it hidden variables. But essentially, he was talking about how this implicate order with this information or hidden variables, you know, it is embedded within all that we see, this explicate order. So it's all light. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's just light in its many forms. It's, when we talk about light, Here's the here's the confusing thing about talking about light. Again, it all comes from everybody's experience. If you go talk to, let's say, an average scientist, most people will equate light with electromagnetism. Simple as that. They think it's one and the same. Now, okay, we could say, well, if light is electromagnetism, look at how um, wide... That array, the electromagnetic spectrum, is quite wide, right? And the portion that we see is just this tiny, 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 tiny little sliver, right? It's the rainbow of color from red to violet, but it's Mm -hmm. tiny. If we think back to those textbooks we used to look at, and we'd see this page-wide array of electromagnetism, but then the electromagnetic spectrum that was visible was just that tiny little sliver. So I remember way back in school back then going, now, isn't, doesn't anybody see what seems real obvious to me? Right there alone, that lets us understand that the portion we see is a tiny fragment from what we don't. So that means how can anybody believe in that which we see being the whole of reality. Like, that boggles my mind. That's so counterintuitive right there. It's just not even logical because we learn right there that most of it we can't see. So light is this amazing thing that really we don't understand because it's so complicated. So we're getting better at understanding the electrical and magnetic portions, but there's still a lot of mysteries even within magnetism especially. And uh, and, you know, a lot of people don't believe there's anything beyond that. In fact, I think that's really what separates um, a lot of classical physics from a lot of, you know, what we would call maybe these cutting-edge quantum theorists. Because, again, you have most scientists just equating everything as electromagnetic. They don't believe in anything else. And electromagnetism actually obeys laws of time and space. So that means any experience I have, any near-death experience that our listeners have, they're all impossible. That's why we keep getting told that what we're trying to say is impossible, because they're equating light with electromagnetism, and electromagnetism obeys rules of time and space. So that's why we have to, uh, those of us listening today, those of us joining in our program here, we have to look at the cutting-edge physicists who are saying, wait a minute, there are other things happening out there, so let's go to the bandwidth of light that maybe help us explain that. 
And I think I mentioned to you sometime when we talked earlier that uh, remember reading Albert Einstein's Theory of Relativity book a couple of times. You can't read it once and understand it. You definitely have to read it more than once. <laughs> yes. But, but uh, you know, I, and I skipped the equations. You know, I'm, I'm definitely looking for, you know, what are the thoughts behind it? And I think that's why I love Einstein so much is he was such a thought experiencer. You know, he, he was constantly doing thought experiments. Mm-hmm. And and he goes abstract, and he, he loves that part. The equation for him is, is, is much less. But I remember reading in an appendix, um, I'm pretty sure it was somewhere, where, and I'd read multiple versions of the book, you know, ones that were written more like in 1950 versus later uh, edited versions, I guess. But some of those early editions with the appendices, I remember him saying, it's not that light can't travel faster than this constant, that we're giving it, but we can't measure it beyond that. So remember that these physicists are really like mathematicians. They're all just trying to fit things in equations. And that's why, you know, light way back when, everybody started, you know, forgetting that it might be possible that light could travel faster than, quote, quote, the speed of light. But even Einstein way back when said, yeah, it can. Mm. I'm sure it can. But we can't measure it. But you know what? Today, we're starting to go there. The quantum edge physicists are really starting to, to talk about superluminal photons or photon tunneling or some of these things. So let's just summarize by saying light is still mysterious. Light is way more magnificent and like a kaleidoscope. And in the Bible, they talked about the coat of many colors. I think that's talking about we is light. And it's and and we mostly don't know this light, and scientifically, most of them are just really playing around with the electromagnetic spectrum. So no wonder they don't get what we're talking about. You know, I just flashed on something. Do you suppose there was some in that coat of many colors? There was something given to uh, uh, Joseph that that made his aura. Uh, more apparent was that the the reason that his brothers were so jealous well you know i wonder even if you know i just noticed in the bible that so many of the stories and even the parables um you know i think they are trying to point us to these higher truths right and i think even christ and i'm never good at quoting exactly but i think even christ had said You know, these things, of course I'm going to speak in parables now, because you won't understand, but there will come a time when I can speak more plainly, because you will understand. And he also said, right, these things I do, you also will do in more. And so I think even with the coat of many colors, I I think that was referring to the aura, referring to reality as having many, many colors. And of course, each color points to a certain bandwidth of energy that's traveling at a certain basic average speed. And that's that's it. Right. Um, It's interesting that um, the uh, near-death experience says that uh, the near-death experiencer comes back saying God is light. And they also say that God is timeless. And yet electromagnetic uh, light depends on time. It's it's interrelated to time. 
So I, I agree with you. There must be a, there are probably many more spectrums of light than we are, um, capable of seeing or even understanding at this point. Well, exactly. And especially when it goes, you know, so far beyond our experience and, you know, our, our, our human ability to even logically deduce any of these things. I've come to see, so let's say we say this coat of many colors. Or we can, um, you know, we can imagine a rainbow. And of course, right, many near-death experiencers or people who have had mystical experiences, they will describe colors that don't exist in this plane. So what's cool about that is that even with our rainbow of colors, right, even with our visible light spectrum, like red is a certain bandwidth and it's slower, right? And then it gets faster when you get to orange, when you get to yellow, green, right? Heading up to violet. Each each is showing that now you've taken a quantum leap, right? It, it, it's all of a sudden you have this transition into this other frequency of color. And so there you are traveling higher, higher frequency. And higher the frequency you go, the more energy that it has. And so, um, And so here you have this this bandwidth that, like you said, it's just so beyond our human ability to understand. And um, the cool thing is the slower the energy goes, I think in my book, Living in a Quantum Reality, I actually, I put out this, this thought that, you know, so there we have this light, this energy that we call God. And as we know, energy is transduced from one form to another. So I think, you know, there it is getting transduced, which means basically keeps going down the frequency band ladder, right? And look at how many times we've used the parable about ladders in the Bible yes. or, yes. you know, in the <laughs> right? So I think there's a ladder of energy. And each time we go down a rung, it's like going from violet down to then yellow, orange, red. We're coming down the rung. Energy is transduced down. And when it's transduced down, it's getting slower and slower and slower and slower. And so then you take Einstein's theory of relativity, and all of a sudden you go, wait a minute. We look like we are standing still. We look like we're having this material reality and that we're just standing still because of our relative motion. He used to say if, you know, there was a train, somebody on a train over there and somebody in a train over here, if we were going the exact same speed, we would look like we were standing still. It's like, oh, no wonder we look like we're standing still here. But look at this ladder of frequencies and look at this ladder of energies and colors and sounds, by the way, right? Even in, in the electromagnetic frequency, every band of color emits a you know, a certain sound, if you will. Mm-hmm. That's why we kind of know what its speed is based on its sound. So this kaleidoscope of color is becoming quite, quite literal. The coat of many colors, our energy coat of many colors, and it's all light. Like you said, the Indiers come back with the message, God is light. Right. All is light. So does that mean, I like the train analogy, 
the two trains are traveling at high speed, but they're going at the same speed so that it looks like they're, you look over at the other train, it looks like it's standing still. In this material world, we think of things as solid, but maybe it's mm-hmm. because all of those things and ourselves, our material selves, are moving at the same speed, and that's what gives the, this uh, illusion of solidity. I think so, right? And even between, um, you know, let's say solids versus liquids versus gases, we turn up the heat, which means we turn up the speed. Hmm. The faster it goes, the more gas-like it appears. The slower it goes, the more solid it appears, because that's the weird thing anyway, right? That's the whole uh, E equals MC squared. What that really was is energy appears as matter, or matter appears as energy, depending on the speed of the light. Mm -hmm. So... Now, when you, when you jump over into, a, uh, as, as many people who are thinking about these things these days do, you jump into the subject of consciousness. Do you mm-hmm. see consciousness and light as being, um, similar or the same? You know, that's a great question. I think my mind is searching for how that intersects. And I think where my mind is on that right now, looking at these many, many, many scientists out there and what they've been telling us, is I've actually started defining consciousness as energy-carrying information. And the reason I've done that is because in psychology, we don't know what consciousness is. You know, in regular psychology, they think consciousness is some, quote, quote, epiphenomenon of the brain, that somehow the brain emits consciousness, but they don't even really know what it is. We don't even really have the definitions for consciousness. Nobody's agreeing on any of that. And yet, what we do know is if all reality can be reduced to energy and its information, which is kind of where we are now scientifically, then consciousness has to at least be composed of energy and information. And for those of us who have had these mystical experiences, near death, spiritually transformative, any of them, then that starts helping us explain a few things because it's like, oh, okay, well, why do I have unique experience? Because I have certain energy and it carries certain information, right? Why can I travel beyond time and space? Because we're energy. And where we focus, that's the constellation of experience. That's the constellation of energy and information that I'm tapping into. So consciousness, for me, um, I don't think scientifically I can specifically say it's light. But if all is an array of light, and if the astrophysicist who said light simply carries energy through space, then I think we can say that energy-carrying information really is what light is. So if light is energy-carrying information and consciousness is energy-carrying information, then we can start equating the two. But many would say I'm really speculating on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they could accuse both of us of doing that. (laughs) (laughs) But to me, it makes 
it makes sense, right? That's how, and I know I don't usually put that in my talk because I know that that is way far ahead of where the science is. But yeah, doesn't it make sense, right? That consciousness and light are really the same thing. And, and maybe, you know, light really is, um, you know, maybe light really is these, these entire groups of bandwidths of energy that we would call multiple physical realities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And somewhere in there, gravity figures in as well. Um, oh, gravity, I love talking about. <laughs> I, love, I really we, love going out on limbs on that one. Well, Valerie, what I'd like to do before we run out of time is propose that you come back next Monday and because one of the things I really want to talk about is the quantum and love and how those two forces interrelate. If oh, if, if you would be available to do that, I'd love uh, to. All right. And before before we go, uh, tell the listeners how they can get a copy of your book, Living in a Quantum Reality. Oh sure. Well, uh, even online, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, um, you can definitely get it online. Um, and um, it's basically a self-help book. So for those listeners out there who've had these experiences and know that you kind of feel like you don't fit in and and it's really even causing some struggles in your life, know that you're not alone. Uh, and I really write a lot of self-help in that book. And it's the first chapter that I very simply summarize uh, some of these concepts of physics that Lee and I are talking about, uh, you know, in a, in a more advanced way, but I definitely try to simplify it in the first chapter of the book. But um, Terrific. Terrific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, thanks, Valerie, for um, sharing your investigations with us, and we'll look forward to next Monday. Um, if anyone out there would like to listen to the show again or any of our past shows, go to our website at nderadio.org. And uh, join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio with Valerie Varan. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.